Since the mid-60s, my teenage years, I have been profoundly obsessed with human behavior, whether there can be a system, technique, chemical, belief system, discipline that is able to reprogram entrenched inherited patterns of behavior. Is there any way to short-circuit control, erase compulsive and reactive responses? Can we reinvent a self consciously in order to maximize its potential and hopefully our satisfaction in life? My lifelong search is for focused mutability and to change the means of perception, to challenge every status quo as a matter of principle and never rest, never assume or imagine that the task of reinvention has a finite ending. Permanent change toward a radical, positive, and liberating evolutionary mutation of the human species is the core essence and motivation of every single aspect of my creativity. By 1969, I was living with the exploding galaxy in Islington, London, surrendering my creativity, personality, and my future to an extremely demanding commune. We tried to break down as many inherited values, inhibitions, and gender roles as possible through rigorous mutual deprogramming, often including humiliation if you contradicted the founders. Later, I founded Comb Transmissions, a performance art group that during the first half of the 1970s delved deep into character archetypes and social, especially sexual, taboos and physical limitations, often utilizing pain, restriction, my own blood, enemas, and muscular stress. We wanted to create a morally clean slate upon which we, only we, then designed an independently constructed ethical identity. As our public explorations became more and more intimate, media attention focused upon our work in an ever more antagonistic style until after the opening in October 1976 of our retrospective Prostitution at London's ICA Gallery, a huge tsunami of outrage, disgust, and scurrilous defamation drowned all meaning in contrived denunciations, the now most famous being these people are the records of civilization, questions were asked in the parliament. We are here to go, as Brian Gasson succinctly stated, but not just here to go into inner and outer space, though that process is one part and conceptual parcel of the final aspiration. We are here to go outside of the physical body, to enter the solid pool of time that connects us with every moment in every direction and every parallel or conflicting omniverse that was, wills to be, or intends to be. Intention is the key and the process is the product. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Dystopian Deep Dives podcast with your host, Natalie Donna. Today, I'm speaking with a very special guest, William Ramsey, about, amongst other things, Aleister Crowley and Genesis P. Ulrich. So without further ado, here's my episode. Starting researching the occult, that's really where I got started. And then, right. I mean, you know, I kind of got that label and I labeled myself, but that's, that's fine. But <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the West Memphis 3 is a true, can be perceived as a true crime book, but I perceive it as much broader than that. It's really a strange cultural 
dark religious tale mm-hmm. as well because of the yeah. connections. I agree. So speaking of those connections, I just finished your documentary about Crowley, and I thought it was really interesting, all the connections to the music industry. Um, and one of the people that I've sort of honed in on is Genesis P. Ulrich because, I mean, just to be honest, he really kind of freaks me out. Uh, I know that he's passed away, and he sort of set this precedent for a lot of the things we're seeing now uh, concerning, like, I think, transhumanism. Um, yes. Sort of like a prototypical uh, transhumanist or something. Uh, yes. So what is the connection between Genesis P. Ulrich and Aleister Crowley, if you wouldn't mind going into a little bit of detail about how you found the connection and... Uh, well, how far you think he was practicing this sort of stuff? Oh, I think he was practicing a lot of it, but mm-hmm. I think that his—I think that he was part of that kind of um, what, what would you call it, uh, like the occult underground, right. and all of his kind of work were the occult underground, and maybe not, maybe that underground, but to me it was. But going way back, going back to uh, the seventies, mm-hmm. so coming out of the sixties, but really involved in really dark kind of public theater, maybe like something you would see something like uh, Abramovich do or something right. like that, who's maybe people kind of know him, but like really creepy blood and yeah, he was all, you really know, just the worst stuff thing. like, uh, well, they would do these, what they would call performance art, right? Uh, right which right. was like normally involving, I mean, they had a whole show called like prostitution. Just, I guess they're trying to be like edge edgy, but uh, to me, it just looks ritualistic, and they would use a lot of blood and, I guess, milk and urine. So right. how do those things figure into, like, maybe, like, ritual sex Cru- magic? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back. But, I mean, just to follow up on the first question, so that kind of stuff does go through Crowley. Like, a lot of bodily fluid stuff mm-hmm. is involved with Crowley. But I think they studied a lot of that. Um, but back when he was doing what he called the Kung Transmissions, right. which was performance art group, mm-hmm. he's like, I'll have a quote from my book in Children of the Beast where he says, we were weaned on the diet of Burroughs, Kaisen Crowley, Viennese, Actionism, Desaad, Marquis Desaad, Pasolini, right. who directed, Salo, Bataille, and others. So, right, I mean, so he's all really... the worst. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, like, the uh, panoply of you know, dark figures. So Burroughs is also kind of new of Crowley as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think that he knew, he actually said, and I quote this in my book, that he ran into Crowley after Crowley's death. So he kind of, like many of these other occultists, they tried to form some tie to Crowley. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did is said that Crowley visited him on some like lonely street in the fifties. And, uh, so there's all kinds of stuff. And even his fake name, his real name was Andrew Neil Megson. Right. But So how did he come to his name of Genesis P. Ulrich? Because he would ingest his own bodily fluids is a nice way of saying it. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. because it's Genesis's porridge, right? That's sort of how right. I read the name, you know. You can be... Right. No, as you should. I think that's the way it's intended to be, yes. Yeah. Like that, like a really? But he's quoted. He did an interview with a guy by the name of Richard Metz, Mesker, mm-hmm. who does disinformation. He's kind of he's interviewed um, Porridge together with Robert Anton Wilson, which is a fascinating conversation because you can tell how much these two guys really know about Crowley. Mm-hmm. They reference Crowley, and but uh, he told Metzger he would 
eat his own, you know, I semen. See. Oh, great. How charming. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, exactly. So that's the type of person, I mean, from an early age, he said that. So that's the type of person it always that he seems, was. Yeah, that they start early. Seems like it, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think the significance of the androgyne is? Uh, it, it seemed like uh, Ulrich wanted to become his partner, but he was calling right. her the pan, they were calling themselves, I guess, a pandrogyne. But I think right. that the, the symbol of the androgyne is really significant within the practice of Satanism. Can you explain that yes. a bit? Absolutely. Very important. I think Crowley himself wrote about that was the identity of, um, you know, the devil that they were, that he worshipped. He was a positive. He calls it the pandrogyne, the positive androgyne. So you can see Orridge constantly normalizing this this transhumanism, mm -hmm. um, self-evolutionary uh, muta mutation, uh, constantly and all like uh, he says it all the time and all these different things. But um, mm -hmm. if you go back to Crowley, Crowley himself said that, and probably Crowley's, I mean, he he had a paragraph that I quote all the time where he defines, you know, Lucifer as the as the androgyne. Right. Well, Baphomet, I suppose, is uh, depicted as an androgyne. Correct. Do you think That's it has correct. something to do with, like, I guess transformation and, I guess, sublimination? Sort of like you're combining these two things and then you transcend somehow because you've combined them? I just always right. wonder I think so. about that. Um, it's the, it, let me, if I can quote this, he's, this is like one of the most important quotes, quotes about Crowley, because this is what he says about AWAS. He's like, he's receiving material mm -hmm. from it's the B666 is preferred to let names stand as they are. And to proclaim simply that AWAS, the solar phallic hermetic Lucifer is his own guard, guardian, a holy guardian angel and the devil Satan or had it of this particular unit of the starry universe. This serpent Satan is not the enemy of man, but he who made gods of our race, Knowing good and evil, he bade know thyself and in taught initiation. He is the devil of the Book of Thoth, and his emblem is Baphomet, the androgyne who is the hieroglyph of arcane perfection. Hmm. So this transformation, you can you see that, I think, on different levels. And at one level, you're emulating, you know, what Crowley says, you know, is the devil. Yeah, and I guess they practiced a lot of, like, ritual sex magic. <clears throat> right. Uh, I think all of it was, yeah. Right. I believe that's what, uh, even your, you were a source for that, I think, for that information. Well, right. Well, they, they, um, were kicked out of like the process church. They were kicked out of England, right? Mm. They were kicked out of England for, they got caught. Somebody raided their home. And I've seen actually recently some of these videos, they were involved in heavy duty ritual magic stuff. And, uh, they were called the Wreckers of Civilization. So Genesis P. Orge left and ended up at Winona Ryder's dad's place, Horowitz. That's her actual real given name. And he so he fled to the U.S. and was in the U.S. after, you know, I don't know why the U.S. became this haven for occultists, but he was one of them. Right. But, yeah. And so he, so there was an incident in the, in the 1990s, I guess, right? Is that the one you're referring to? The one that, was that the 90s? Maybe it was in the 90s. I thought it was the 1976. i got to go back and look at my dates. Well, it's okay, but yeah, he was, but, no, it was 1992. Uh, You're right. With, well, no, that's right. Yeah, like, 
so Genesis Fjordra, like gets the, the Scotland Yard, excuse me, stuff in their house, you know, um, and they have children there, two children. And I was right. just wondering if you knew anything about that incident, uh, other than they suspected, you know, maybe satanic ritual abuse of these kids. I mean, there are uh, accounts from other people about his his house there. You know, they had all sorts of like BDSM, and they would call their yes. dungeon the nursery, which is also very creepy. A lot of their art also sort of incorporates. Uh, imagery that you know would be used for children i think that probably relates to the aeon of horus uh which i suppose crowley predicted that we would be in uh right which seems to have a pedophilic obsession with youth youth the youth <laughs> Well, I think that Crowley would say he would want to normalize all that for youth, and he did that at his Abbey of Thelema in the 20s, so, mm -hmm. the, you know, these followers of his are engaged in the same type of behavior, and I think that Orridge was in that, too. So, but, yeah, but, I mean, they seized two tons of material from his place, Scotland Yard did, and then he ran for it. Right. Um, but they said that the television documentary that I said saw said that sex and blood rituals are taking place beneath a picture of Alistair Crowley. And I've seen some of that video. I was fortunate enough to find it from uh, one of these videos that, that, that I talked about. It's very graphic. It's very intense. And I actually saw somebody who I also know who uh, this guy was networked with a lot of these other characters. And uh, I was surprised to see another person in that video. And that's not, not just... I mean, Orange was in a video with Eccles as well, yeah. recently he passed away. But, yeah. So these guys know each other. They kind of can complete each other's sentences. Yeah, they all hang out. I found the connection with Jordowski really interesting. I never knew that before. But I guess if you watch Holy Mountain, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that he's involved in some sort of occultist belief system. Yeah, um, and blood, you know, blood drinking as well, Jodorowsky. So you kind of see that same kind of bodily fluid type thing going on. Jodorowsky had all of Crowley's material, and and he's networked with people like Camel and Anger and Dennis Hopper. So right, and all of these people, I mean, I think they sort of live on as legends, and I feel like there's been a resurgence of this sort of uh, obsession with the occult. Uh, thanks to like I guess Duncan Trussell and Joe Rogan. Um, yes. Duncan Trussell specifically with his uh, I guess his like midnight gospel show, which I've seems just right. like some very self indulgent. But the uh, animation itself is pretty disturbing. Um, yeah, and it, one of those featured Damien Eccles as well, talking about magic. So yeah, it's. Uh... These guys are definitely pushing that stuff, and I think that Rogan himself is definitely within that group. I mean, those are his friends. <laughs> I mean, I did a show about something funny about Joe Rogan. and uh, I did. I listened to that one. I checked yeah. it out. I mean, the fact that he goes on his show wearing NASA gear is enough to sort of put me off. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a different conversation. Uh, yeah. So this, uh, I think... You know, Satanism, I always talk about how I think Satanism and transhumanism and even postmodernism are sort of connected in this uh, trinity of, like, the inversion of reality. Um, yes, I agree with that. 
Yeah, and so what do you what do you think of like the satanic and and sort of transhumanist connection and like how sort of I think Piorge's art, if you can call it that, uh, reflects these things. Oh, no question. I mean, I think that here's the quote that I put in my book, which is quote permanent change is orange, permanent change for a radical, positive, and liberating evolutionary mutation of the human species is the core essence and motivation of every single aspect of my creativity. So I think that he was one of the more early transhumanists that, mm -hmm. you know, even before high technology, which is now mm -hmm. really they're talking about uh, putting high technology in the human body. Um, he was really one of the, the primary ideologues of that. So I think that this whole thing where he's like doing tons of uh, plastic surgery, like like removing body parts and things like that. I think with his more wife and 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 really tinkering with language, mm -hmm. where he went, his pronouns were went from I to we, right. and talked about you know very strange stuff. So even the language for people who don't know, he started a group called I think it was the Temple of Psychic Youth. Right. And then the music band Psychic TV in 1981. So he definitely had, he was like the head of an occultist. And I knew somebody, I actually talked with uh, Fred Gianelli. It's, a, it's an interview on my site who, who knew Orange and like did not have a positive view of him, but, yeah, you know, traveled around and did all that. <laughs> well, if you don't know this, there's like a, like a Genesis P Orange, uh, like therapy group on Facebook with 800 members really? of people who survived. Yeah. Who survived Genesis P orange. I forgot the name of it, but somebody nice. told me about it. I was like 800 people. Wow. A support. Cause they were, wow. they, yeah. So yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. What would, what would you call it? Like a group that like people, ex Scientologist or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. But they, but he was doing all kinds of weird stuff. You know, he had the 23 number was very, Oh, I was important. about to ask They're, you about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they had their own numerology, goes back to the 23 Enigma, and uh, I think that was emphasized by Burroughs, uh, right? Yeah. Right. So what is, I, I heard that you dabble in numerology. What What is the number? I, I wouldn't say I dabble. I definitely am very interested in their numerology right. as, as indicators of meaning for them. Mm -hmm. So like Crowley had his own numerology in his system, 11, 77. 93 was important. These are all Kabbalistic numbers, mm -hmm. but I think 23, if you divide that by one, it's 666, right? So I think that's what these guys are really saying about the 23 Enigma. Huh. Interesting. And it's a prime number. Yeah, it's a prime number. Huh. Indivisible. So <clears throat> um, that was one thing that Burroughs had, but he had all kinds. Of, I mean, sorry, one thing that Orange had, but he, I mean, he was, he was running a global kind of group cult where people would send things to him and he was in contact with them kind of in an underground manner, but right. He would know, send newsletters and yes. you had to pay, I guess like $25 to be in the psychic youth, I think is what he was calling it. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so he was, it was definitely like an occult paramilitary occult organization. So these guys and their out view, their view of that time was much like the process church, who I think that orange was affiliated with, which was post-industrial post civilization, you know, like the world is coming to an end. So they had this apocalyptic out view or uh, worldview. But that... somehow he gets removed from the process church. Is that what you said? 
How do you even get No, I don't think he was removed at all, but I think oh. that he was like kind of Crowley where they would just oh. be a part of any old group that would have them. I see. Like Crowley was a member of the Masons and the Golden Dawn and his own group and OTO, and I think that there's actually pictures of Orage and video of him participating in a process ritual. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, he, and he has process tattoos. He has the kind of their their kind of version of a swastika. Is it sort of like that black sun sort of thing? Kind of, yeah. It's like not a full swastika, but it's like four. You know. What do uh, you make of their obsessions with Nazis? and sort of the the Nazi imagery that they're always using, this sort of SS um, yeah. imagery. Why, why do you think they're so obsessed with that? Because they're dystopian in their views. I think that's their aesthetic. So I think mm -hmm. that that's why they were into Manson and all that of serial killers. Yeah. And a really strange, like some of the people he associated with, this guy Peter Christopherson, are you familiar with him? I'm not. I could probably. Okay. I think he was an actor. Just. No, so he was in the no, he was in the band with uh, with Origin, like one of his close friends, and there were ah. pictures of them together. But he was actually a very a semi prominent prominent artist and video director. He was doing videos for Robert Plant and Rage Against the Machine, mm. all with this dystopian, post industrial aesthetic and outlook that was con consistent with like his group. And he was kind of an offshoot group. He was in a group called Coil. Mm -hmm. which was also influential kind of underground um, techno music. And, uh, but he, I mean, he was involved in like just this BDSM stuff like you're talking about and did all these videos. So I mentioned him and studied him for my documentary about the smiley face killers, because a lot of the uh, material that he put out this one video called, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but it basically goes through this whole, the same kind of, uh, MO that's happening to these young men who are disappearing all over the world, found in, in bodies of water. Mm. Yeah. So speaking of like the sort of BDSM situation, I'm not really sure what else to say, but do you, so my question was sort of, do you think Satanism or the practice of the occult leads to sexual devi deviancy or do you think deviancy leads to practice of Satanism and the occult or are those things even separable? Um, I don't know. I think that's a great question. Um, I don't know how they meld together while, why that they, they definitely are like a double helix. It seems very common. Like if you say even Eccles and his writings yeah. and stuff like that and Crowley and Orridge and the yeah, others, like a, a real, what would be termed like a fetish, you know, mm -hmm. fetish uh, quality to that. So I don't know why that happens maybe it's the di the satanic dynamic where there's like always the master and the slave or something like that so it fits into that practice i don't know like crowley said slave shall serve right so maybe that's the whole dynamic i don't know but there i mean it's it's definitely a strong theme it's definitely i mean in my research it's a strong yeah. element and theme of occultism i mean sometimes i feel like depends on who it is like i i read a lot about um orridge and how abusive he was towards many women he encountered um and so i think maybe part of it 
maybe so for the victims of him, well, I guess these, what, 800 people on Facebook, right. there's some right. sort of like masochism there. And maybe they're sort of like reenacting their own trauma. But I, I feel like people like uh, Orridge or Crowley, you know, they're, they're, they're the sadists of the, of the situation. Um, and I, just, yeah, I, would agree with that. I just wonder, I wonder if it's, you know, they sort of make up all of these things with the occult and these rituals and things like this, because it gives them a free pass in a way to just do all this strange sexual deviancy. No, it's a great point. I mean, it's kind of like the chick, uh, you know, chicken yeah. or the egg or carpet for the horse or whatever, right, you right. know, like, which is first. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like, like. They're all, you know, these people are different. Therefore, they're interested into edgy doctrines and ideologies. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't think I do either. But it's something I think about because there's often, like you said, that connection there. So what uh, what made you become interested in this stuff? Well, I mean, I really started as kind of a parapolitical researcher, researched 9-11, led me to Crowley, led me to the modern culture, led me to, you know, these things. And Crowley really was what led me to um, the West Memphis Three, because it's there's mm-hmm. a strong theme of Crowley within that. So then yeah. that led me to, like, who's this guy hanging out with? Like, there'd be pictures of Eccles with people I didn't know. I didn't really know Orange before West Memphis 3, but why is he pictured with this guy? Who is this character with a, you know, weird top hat and, and wearing makeup yeah. and a weird cane? And why are they all wearing black? Okay, so then I figured out who Genesis Peorge is. There's pictures of Eccles with Marilyn Manson, yeah. part of that Marilyn Manson's band. He, I mean, he's around with, like, Ozzy Osbourne. So he's networked with all these other people with ties to Crowley. Um, all of those people, Manson, uh, uh, Osborne, and Orridge are all tied yeah. to Crowley. So that was really kind of just it. And it was something that I was never exposed to. And it's not something that's, I mean, through my educational process, you just don't, there's no classes on, you know, occult or cults <laughs> or stuff like that. So yeah. like, this is really happening. There really is an underground. There's yes. really crazy things going on. I mean, I there were stories that I came across that I haven't published of people associated with Orge. I mean, I could talk to you offline. That I mean, yeah. they'll blow your mind. It's incredible. These guys are up to no good, and they kind of hint at stuff they're up to, but they don't quite tell it. But if you understand the symbol, I mean, there's like Coil, for example, this guy Peter Christofferson. There's videos of these guys doing this kind of. Um, action theater, the stuff that Meg, that Orange was doing, like literally covered in each other's blood. I mean, yep. really brutal stuff. Yeah. So I don't doubt uh, it. It's there. Yeah. Uh, and there's pictures. If you see the pictures of Coil, there's they've got like these young men who look like they got beat up by Mike Tyson, and the two guys are wearing kind of like um, what somebody who'd be working on cars would be wearing, like a full body. Yeah, kind like of a work jumpsuit suit. or something. Yeah, so jumpsuit exactly. So why are you doing that? Why are you making it look like you're involved in other types of abuse? Are you hinting at that? Are you promoting that? What's going on? Well, I think ultimately the belief, I guess, if their their belief is do as thou wilt, there really isn't uh, anything stopping them from being completely abusive to whoever yes. it is that's been sucked into their orbit. 
Um, yes, or, or, um, or random victims as well. Right. Um, my last question, I suppose, would be why do you think there's such a resurgence of all of this imagery in popular culture now? Uh, because it's everywhere you look, you know, part of the things that I'm doing now, I'm just looking and dissecting these music videos. And I don't really listen to a lot of very popular music. So it's shocking to me when I see, you know, the same images playing out over and over again. And I'm just wondering, like, why do you think there's such a resurgence of this? Because I feel like maybe there was a gap between, maybe it was more underground. I don't know. But now it just seems so in your face everywhere. Yes. So why I think it's just become, yeah, it's become a more kind of uh, prevalent in the larger culture where it used to be a counterculture mm -hmm. or underground. But I think that the real culture now is a, is like, especially in Hollywood mm -hmm. and these music videos, is occultism. That's what the symbols and all that stuff is they're showing you. So uh, you're seeing a real tectonic shift in, in the sensibilities of Americans. Um, and really stuff, I mean, if, if you consider this the kind of core American culture is the core. That means it's all glo global culture as well, mm -hmm. is this, these ideas of do without wealth and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, I think that that's really it. So there's, if you decode these symbols and the imagery and the one eyes and mm -hmm. the numerology, it's all there. So and the butterflies and how it ties into MK Ultra and all this other stuff, it's, uh, it's pretty disturbing. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that at some other point. The reason I know about Genesis P. Ulrich, I suppose, is because uh, it, in sort of hipstery art circles, you know, he's very venerated, you know, as this, you know, musical vanguard or something. And I've always, he's always made me uncomfortable. And <laughs> so part of, right. part of, part of the culture I feel is sort of obviously, you know, desensitizing us to things that make us feel uncomfortable. And, you know, these people are very into no boundaries, right? Like having yes, none yeah. whatsoever. Um, and, you know, I think people need to maintain their boundaries in order to protect themselves. So I think, you know, these in, a, in themselves, you know, they're just inherently dangerous practices, in my opinion. So I agree. Totally agree. And I mean, if you read, have you ever read through the psychic Bible that he wrote? No. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, pictures of, like, abuse taking place. Dudes tied up in, yeah. in ropes with masks, camp masks, like, really gnarly, nasty stuff. And some of the, one of the guys who is, was his editor, my understanding, was a guy who teaches magic. magic. Have you ever heard of Jason Louvre, L-O-U-V? Maybe. No, I haven't. Because I think he's friends with Trussell, because I think he was on Duncan Trussell's show. So you can see these networker connections. Right of all these different people. I mean, going straight to Genesis Pjords, if he's hanging out with, I guess, the, if you look up this guy, Louvre, I think he was a, like a, not a probationer, but like a acolyte of Orge. So he lived in his mm -hmm. house and like, they lived kind of like something was going on like in Fight Club, right? Right. Where you have to kind of work your way up the ladder. And that's the odd thing about Tyler Durden in Fight Club, if you read Fight Club. It's like they say that they're a monk, and I cover this in a cold Hollywood. Mm -hmm. They say they were trying to emulate a monk, and that a monk's kind of environment, and that's exactly what Orge is trying to do, right? The same type of commune mm -hmm. type of thing. And this guy, Jason Lube, is hanging out with him. He writes books about John D and, mm -hmm. and teaches a magic course. And, and the, these guys are all connected, 
Eccles, the magic community. There's literally now a group that you can refer to as a magic community, a magic with a K, which probably wasn't prevalent 25 years ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it sort of goes, the occult sort of uh, fascination, it sort of goes in waves, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. So, with that. cyclical. Uh, mm hmm. I think a lot of people drew back after Manson, you know, people and after right. Altamont, all these things. People like, whoa, this is way too much, you know. I, and a lot of people knew these guys were networked. And, and uh, uh, Orange, by the way, was a huge Manson fan and, and adopted a lot of stuff. They actually went out to Spawn Ranch and took pictures and did all kinds of stuff. So Orange was really involved in, in a lot of these, you know, emulating Manson and things like that. But uh no, I think you're right. I think it's cyclical. People see how how bad it can get and then pull back, and it, it loses its uh, attraction or allure. And then you know, then a whole new generation comes up, and there there's a whole new group of people who who don't have the context to go, hey man, you can you can lose your life, you can go to jail. Yeah, it, there's lots of repercussions. I think in messing with such, um, for lack of a better term, I think dark forces. Yeah, no, I think that's a very well said. I mean, if you even look at Crowley's life and all the people he touched, just wreckage, you know, yeah. suicides and, yep. and uh, apparently an eight hundred people group for <laughs> right. I'm trying to find it, the support group on on uh, yeah. on Facebook, so I can mention it. Oh my goodness! But I can't, I can't, I can't seem to have it. It doesn't seem to pull up. All right. Well, thank you so much, William Ramsey. I hope we can talk again soon. It sounds like we could Love have to. a lot of interesting conversations. I think so. I think so. Take care. Bye, Natalie. Bye-bye.